Hola, hello, hi, bienvenido, and welcome back or welcome to Mentors Today. This is where I would normally welcome Ileana in from Guadalajara, but she's not here. She's on a little bit of a summer break. So today it's just me and our really cool guests. So I'm going to hop right into it. I'm very excited to be joined today by Liz Bazurto. And Liz, before I introduce you, I'm just going to make sure I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Is that the proper pronunciation of your last name? I will say Bazurto, but Bazurto. it's okay. Bazurto. hard a little bit sometimes. More that's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's okay. I just want to make sure. Okay, so we're joined by Liz Bazurto, who is a business development representative at Coinbase. Liz is a highly accomplished professional with a really diverse background that spans business development, engineering, and the entertainment industry. Currently, she holds a very prominent business development position with the company Coinbase, but she also has a wealth of experience from previous roles at Tesla and Merrill Lynch. This brings a comprehensive understanding of a variety of different sectors to her current work. She was inspired by her father's teachings on the value of discipline, education, hard work. She carries a passion for helping others achieve their goals. She enjoys connecting with professional women, immigrants, tech executives, business owners, and artists. She's particularly passionate about sustainability, climate change initiatives, and ESG, or otherwise known as environmental, social, and governance principles. Her enthusiasm for technology, coupled with her love for the mountains and coffee, and I'm just going to add in here Los Angeles, adds to her dynamic personality. Her current career at Coinbase is just one highlight of a deep career made up of a variety of different experiences. Again, crossing business development, now crypto intelligence, developer partnerships, tech industry relationship building. She's also gained experience and exposure to the whole financial markets world um, and wealth management while working at Merrill Lynch. So she comes at the work at Coinbase, which is essentially building kind of a financial future with a real unique version of the financial past systems that we've existed in. So we're just really, really grateful to have her here. Um, I will tell the audience, since we have a little extra time here today without Ileana, the reason that Liz is on the show is because I had the good fortune to be in the audience of a panel that she participated in with some of the leading Latina business entrepreneurial economy thought leaders here in Southern California, frankly, probably in the country, just a few weeks ago as part of LA Tech Week in Beverly Hills. And I was so enthralled with what she was talking about. And also, I am openly admitting, curious about kind of the role behind Coinbase and this whole world of cryptocurrencies and alt currencies and all, because it's probably the world of our tech or the part of our tech world that I understand the least or that I know the least about. So Liz, with no further ado, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Today. Oh no, oh my God. I'm just so grateful, Rob, for the invitation. I was a little bit of stalking your show. So I am really happy to be here just talking to, you know, a generic audience that needs to hear our voices. So I really think and appreciate what you are doing with the with the podcast, like inviting this kind of leaders, right? Thank you. No, you, you are, as I told you when I reached out to you, I, I immediately, just as I listened to you on the panel, I immediately thought to myself, like, that's the person I want to have. She gets it. Like she gets oh, us, no, she gets it. So she's you. aligned. She's aligned with what our mission is and our purpose of the show is. Um, and I know our audience, you'll, your story will resonate with that. So, so I, I have kind of a, a opening question. It's a little bit of a personal one, right? So, you say in some of the materials that I that I found when I was researching your background, you say you put it out there publicly that your dad used to use a phrase 
that Walt Disney famously used as well. If you can dream it, you can do it. And I just yeah. feel, I feel like as I read some of the information that I found on you online and I read your own words in your own, some of your own profiles, I just feel like that phrase, this idea of if you can dream it, if I can dream it, I can do it really has defined a huge part of your journey. Yeah. Um, and, and from literally your literal journey, which you can tell us a little bit about, you're, you're a proud Colombiana. Um, yeah. right? And so, so you can tell us a little bit about that literal journey to the U.S. and life here. But also, I think it, it, fe- it felt to me, so please, you know, share with us if this is true or not. Like, it felt to me like even the different industries that you've been in, the different professions mm-hmm. that you've pursued, the different career paths that you've participated in as a multi-hyphenate talented person. It feels like there's this belief underneath you, this confidence of like, I, if I keep dreaming these things, I can do these things. So tell us about that. <laughs> That's really hard to achieve, actually, to just have that confidence. But yeah, you're right. I'm going to start with saying that I was born in Medellin, the capital city of Antioquia. And most people that have heard about it, it's because of Pablo, of course. So I was born in really difficult times in one of the poorest neighborhoods. And I just saw my dad and my brothers. I I was very lucky because I had the possibility to see a family around me that even if they were not rich, they were not looking for like cutting corners in order to get to some kind of like financial, you know, position. But they were firm believers of education. So I have two brothers are doctors, the youngest is an attorney, and my dad never went to even high school. And he was like, he was born pretty much working and he was working as a constructor for his like first years of life. And later on, he was just such a hardworking person and very intelligent. I guess that that helps me a little bit with my genes because my dad was studying civil engineering by that time, we didn't have online, right? Like there was no right. online education, but it was like with these small like notebooks and booklets that That's he cool. subscribed yeah. and he was able to fund, to fund his own company. And this is a large company. It became really large that he was hiring engineers uh, uh, to sign the blueprints because he didn't have the professional license, but literally right. he knew more than anybody else that was just going to university because he had been doing that for many years. So he was already being able to do contracts for the government, you know, like wow. he really achieved a lot. And I just, I'm just very lucky because my brothers never raised me with a mentality of like, oh, you cannot do that. Like for me, seeing that even if my brother had to go to college by walking because there was no money for them, or even like with the shoes broken, like they made it, right? Like they had that goal in their mind and they are like, I'm not going to get distracted from it and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. So I I have been like just very lucky because I saw that, right? And being raised in that environment, it's not like, oh, we had like the fanciest restaurants. We never had that. They even had it worse than me. I I got it like the best time because I was born and and then there was that progression in my family that they were getting better. And then we moved to our neighborhood and all of that. So it's just like, it, it was amazing to experiment that because then... 
when I mentioned and, and you saw in my bio that I mentioned always like, oh, I had to start from zero. Yeah. I didn't feel that scared. Like I have been right. doing that for a couple of times. I was <laughs> going to say, you're almost, it's almost kind of born into your DNA a little bit, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, like I moved to Bogota and because of life and life is weird and you get to different industries. I did acting and I even was screenwriting for a couple of years. But then I moved to my family, my mom with me to Bogota, but like things were getting really complicated at that yeah. point in Colombia. One of my brothers is into politics. So okay. my dad got kidnapped. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. At one point. So there were a lot of things and I was only like 20 something. And when I moved to Bogota, I didn't know anybody there. So the situation was very similar to when I came to the U.S. Right, you basically reinvented yourself. Exactly. Even before you left the country, like you were, you were doing that. You know what's also, you know what's interesting to me. It sounds awesome. Is right. I mean, we both know the and and if Ile was here, she'd be talking about this, right? That machismo kind of you know cultural the patriarchy of Latam, right? And and Mm -hmm. Latin American Mm -hmm. countries, and it's it's really nice to hear a story where you had like a male dominated family, but they, but they encouraged you. Like they were, they were supportive of you. They, 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 they believed that, you know, they, obviously they were their own achievers, but then they looked at you, their sister and, or, and his daughter and said like, but you could, you could like, you should do the same things. Like you should stretch and grow. That had to be like really validating for you. And obviously your mom must be, your mom was probably an incredibly strong woman. No, like there are really funny stories because my mom was, I will say, the business wise person in our family okay. because she was the one telling my dad how to do a couple of things. My dad was really good at like hard work and networking, but sometimes not as business wise. So yeah. I get like those traits from them. But the funny stories are like, at some point, of course, when you are younger, my mom is like, well, you need to learn how to cook. You need to learn how to clean the house. And my brothers were fighting her. They were like, no, she just has to focus on education. Like, let her go to high school. Ah. Let her." And, and it was interesting. No, I learned how to cook. <laughs> oh, right. Well, I mean, and also part, part, part of it is like your mom is in part just like my mom told me, like before I went to university, like, you got to learn how to cook. You got to learn how to do your yeah, own laundry. Yeah, yeah. Like she wasn't, so it wasn't necessarily that your mom no, was saying, no, like, no, yeah. here's how to be a good wife in the future, oh, right? Oh, no, 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 but, yeah, yeah. But your brothers, but your brothers were, like, protecting against that yeah, almost, yeah. saying, hey, 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 like, let's, let, like, she could be just as talented and successful as us, so yeah. let's not have her get caught up, like, you know, believing that this is all that she has to be good at in life. Wow, that's an interesting dynamic. And also very interesting because when I was younger and, you know, like guys were kind of flirting. So they were like talking to my mom, like, oh, you have a pretty daughter. And my mom always like that struck with me because I never felt pretty because of that. Because <laughs> my uh... mom was always, I never tell her that she is pretty. She is not pretty, but she needs to go to college. She needs to get educated. And she know, was your, very your mom, much your like mom that. Sounds, <laughs> your mom sounds like I was with my, I was that way with my daughter. Um, yeah, <laughs> my, my 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 daughter my daughter is almost oh, she'll be thirty this year, and I and I remember in high school when she was living with me full time when she was a teenager and I would somebody would compliment her she's half me half Mexicana half Gringa so look looks looks not do dissimilar from you and she she would come up she'd be like oh that person said like how pretty I was and I was like you know what the next time someone tells you how pretty you are 
you, you tell them thank you on behalf of your parents. I said, because literally, <laughs> yeah. like, literally you're, it's you're, not true. It's, it's just your DNA. I was like, you, yeah. you had nothing yeah. to do with this. You're lucky in Beijing pool. I, that's it. I, that's, that's it. I was like, this is when you get a small Mexican woman and a big Irish white guy. Yeah. I was like, this is what you get. I, <laughs> I said, I said, your focus isn't that. Your focus is on thank you for telling me I'm a good student. Thank exactly. you for telling me I, I work hard. Thank you for telling me I'm earnest and, and polite and all those things. I was like, those are the things you can control. Pretty is just a birthright, right? Yeah. So yeah. That's funny. That's, that's I love that. All right. So so let so let's talk. All right. So incredible life in, in Colombia. Dad's entrepreneurial, right? I mean, in like had to have mom help on the administrative and the business finance yeah. side of things, but but he had that entrepreneurial instinct very much as we would say in American English, like a self-made man, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, which is which is incredible. Your brothers chart their own path and 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 are are, are again successful by any standard, but but obviously in your family. So at some point, mid twenties ish, you decides, wait a minute, I'm going to venture outside of Bogota. I'm going to leave Colombia and come to Estados Unidos. So how did that come about? Yeah, so that was actually, it's going to be eight years, I think. Eight years, okay. Yeah, I lived one year in Miami, and then the rest I have been in LA. Because that's that's where every South American goes first when they come to the US is Miami. Sort of, I think. <laughs> but people actually love it. I couldn't handle the humidity. Like I was yeah. like, no, yeah, no, 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 this is not for yeah. me. <laughs> I was already too used to Bogota that it's quite cold. I mean, not yeah, New York standards of cold, of course, but it's just like our coldest city, I think, in, in, in Colombia. Well, maybe there are others. But yeah, I, I took the decision to come after like a year and a half after my mom passed. And I was going through another bachelor's, let's say, in business. And I was just waiting for that to like get graduated. And that was a really difficult time in my life when my mom passed because, you know, there were a lot of things that the reason why I did them was because of my mom. Kind of like I, I was taking care of her at the same time. You know, my brothers, all of them have, have their families. So, of course, it was hard for them to take care of her. But the situation, as I mentioned, with violence and with some things that I'm not going to go deep on that right now. No, but it's just, it's a, it was a difficult time in the country. It's a difficult time, difficult time in your lives. Yeah, Exactly. So everything just like got together and I felt, oh, I'm just going to go and, and study English for a couple of months and because the English in our country especially back in the time, like you get some classes in high school, similar to what people learn in Spanish here, that is not going to get you through. <laughs> Definitely you cannot live. I, I, I can attest to that. That's not going to get you through. <laughs> so um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like get to study English for some time. I'm gonna, I, I really want to get away from Colombia and, and a lot of these things. And then things happened in some way that, well, I ended up staying, and, but it has been just so interesting, actually, because I didn't know much English, as I said, and I was going to classes there in Miami, and I was like, I don't want to be friends of any Latino right now. And the reason why 
was not because I am like racist, of course. It's oh, more right. because I am like, I don't want two years speaking in Spanish because then right. I'm never going to get good at English. So even roomies that I had there were like from Russia, from different like crazy countries. You like very intentional, very intentionally said like, I want to, if I'm, if I'm going on this adventure, I, yes. I need to break away from, from my life in Colombia, which has become too problematic, too toxic, too dangerous. Exactly. I'm going to go here. Maybe, maybe I'm going to stay. Maybe I'm not. I don't know, but I'm going yeah. right now. I'm going to take this little hi- like hiatus and I'm going to learn English. I'm just going to immerse myself in the culture and, and, See what happens. Okay. Totally. And and it was just really good. I am thankful I took the decision that way. One of my roommates also was Bulgarian. I just learned so much about different cultures. I didn't stay just with what I know and what is comfortable. There is nothing more interesting than meeting people from different backgrounds. I think that everyone can teach you something, no matter what, right? So it was really funny. At some point, my accent became like English, like Russian English. (laughs) Some people were like, are you from Russia? And I'm like, no. Do I look Russian? No. (laughs) But yeah, it it was really fun. It was a really good time. And then I had visited LA in previous years, years before I moved uh, to Miami. I actually worked with some people in Miami that were more like in politics too. And I just closed, I guess, that cycle. It was probably a year. And then I decided to come to LA again without knowing anybody here and i'm like i don't know i'm just gonna try and see what happens and and the reason why is because i love it i i actually think you know this city gives you everything that you like so i i love the city i cannot say oh i will never move away maybe because you never know you cannot say never but yeah i i love it here so yeah i have been here for like seven years now that's awesome. That's well, we're glad you're here. It's people like you and your story that you bring that make this city everything that it can be. Diversity and, and, and curiosity and, and adventurousness and self-belief and confidence. And also back to that quote from Disney and your dad, right? Like, I mean, this is the city of dreamers, right? It's, it's, there's, there's something about it when you get out, when you get out of your plane here and you land and you walk around, it's just, to me, the energy is always very much, a, it's a creative energy, obviously, but it's a, it's a creative energy from like dreaming what's possible, right? You, you seem to fit that well. So, all right. So I have to imagine, right? You're awesome. Like you reinvent yourself. You're really good at that. But I have to imagine like in, in just in this journey into the US and from Miami to, to Los Angeles, again, not knowing people, not knowing people, not necessarily even having like a plan plan, right? Just kind of saying, I believe in myself, I'm going to put myself out there. Like you had to just learn how to overcome all kinds of challenges, right? I mean, you you had to, I can I can imagine you you clearly sound like you're an incredibly resilient person. So talk, talk about some of that. Talk about just how did you learn other than your family roots, like while you were out here traveling from Miami to LA and then just finding your way in LA, as a Colombiana who had no friends here, like how did you find those reserves of strength and self belief to like just keep doing it every day? I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna say thank you so much for saying that I am resilient. I think that's one of the most beautiful compliments. No, you clearly <laughs> um, are. And, and thank you for saying that. I mean, not not everyone has the same pair of eyes to see through. So yeah, I appreciate it. I had like some sort of the same 
response from one of my managers a couple of months ago saying like, oh, you are the most resilient person that I've ever met. And it's just interesting because it's not that I ever thought about being resilient. You know, it just happened. You're just, you, and you are, you are, again, you are your mother's daughter. You are your father's, you are your yeah. brother's sister. You are who you are. You were resilient before you ever left Medellin. You were resilient. You were resilient. Before, right. But, but I would imagine again, going like learning the language, going to a new city. I mean, LA is a massive place. Yeah. Right. To come yeah. with no friends and no context other than, like you said, you had visited it as a, as a tourista back in the day. So, so I imagine maybe you must have faced like some, some crazy adversities or some struggles. And, but how did you believe that it was just going to work out? I'm going to get back a little bit to the experiences that I had when I was little, because I think that they're like, some of those define your life in some way. So one of my, my youngest brother was murdered when we lived in Medellin. I was probably like seven years old. But what I told you about this neighborhood that was really violent and it had a lot of sicarios, the one that Pablo used to like get for his work, <laughs> for his job. It was like every day. I already knew that at five year old, I already knew that I had to run and hide under the bed whenever I heard shootings outside. Right. So all of that kind of things it starts to make something in your brain because then you just learn survival skills like right away, right? Like you are like, I need to survive. So I think in many cases, resilience comes from being uncomfortable and learning how to go through it. If you go and see many people who are not as resilient in theory, right? Like if that is a thing, they have had it not like easy because I think everyone's life has challenges, but probably they haven't had those traumatic moments. And then when it comes something a little bit bigger, then they cannot handle it. So um, for me in my mind, basically I am like, well, I am alive. There is no better price than that, right? <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Like if uh, when I can walk, like how many people actually don't even have health? cannot even see. So my brain works pretty well. So that's why I was like, okay, I made it through survival. And I anyways look for a way to be successful in my own terms, right? I'm not like thinking like many people, I think that they get repressed because they are thinking about some ideals. Like people say you should shoot for the moon because then you can reach the stars and it's like very poetic. And I agree with it, but you have to have some sense of like realistic mind too, right? Yeah. Like I don't think it's about being optimistic or pessimistic. I am by nature optimistic, but it's like, okay, like my own success is this. I want to go to the next stage, yes, for sure. And of course, I would like to reach for the moon, but I'm not going to get depressed because I didn't make it for this specific thing today. Right. That is... No, your, your context, your context, it sounds like, for, again, your, that childhood example is a really great story, right? Because that paints the rest of the, the things I was fishing for, right? Like, oh, what's it like to move to LA without a job or without knowing anybody or looking for an apartment when you're new this, like all those things to you are like, Rob, those aren't real issues. Like those yeah. aren't real. Those are, those are not real problems. It's like, so yes, funny. yes, yes, they're, yes, they're difficult, right? Of course, those are, yeah, things yeah. People, those are things that people have to deal with. But in with when you are that five-year-old 
version of yourself at home in Medellin, like finding an apartment in LA eventually is no big deal. Like you, yeah. you know, you're, you're like, you're like, I'm good. It's going to work out. I'm going to be okay because I'm yeah. me and I've, I've already survived that. I've already proven I can, again, you don't, you don't subconsciously, it's just there. That's Another awesome. thing that, that, that it just like, it defined also my life was right before my mom passed. I had a colleague, I, I was doing acting and, you know, some colleagues and she was very young. She was, I think, 16 year old. She had been in the entertainment industry since she was a baby. I knew her family, her sister, older than her, uh, two great actresses. And one day out of the blue, she had an accident and she passed in a van, like in public transportation. That just happened. She passed. And by those days, I was taking a lot of decisions for my life, making a lot of decisions. And it, it's just like the universe is so weird. The exact day that she passed, I was coming out of the embassy in Colombia because I was like getting my student visa. And her sister had told me before, oh, when you do the whole process, can you kind of guide me? Because I want her to go also like for some time and get like some English or just study abroad. And it just, I didn't have any words that day. And I'm like, well, I am a control freak. And since that day, I learned that you shouldn't be that control freak. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so that was a, that was another lesson for you to kind of, of like, course. not let it all go, but like, let go, let go of a little bit, like, let go, like, don't grip so hard, right? Because when you mentioned like, oh, I came here without any plan, pretty much, it's kind of true. I mean, like I have a plan, some sort of, but at the same time, I don't want to keep living my life attached to some plan that I think it has to work out in exact times in the same way. Yeah. I, I prefer to let it go. And actually life has surprised me because of that, because I'm like, I never thought I will end up working for Tesla. I will never thought I will end up in the traditional finance industry in Beverly Hills. As you know, that right. office is full of white people, which oh, is yeah. okay, but yeah. it's not an easy thing because they don't listen to you. Traditional finance industry is way harder for women um, in terms of like people think you don't know what you are doing. <laughs> and, no, in yeah, in general, that was my, my dad, my dad's background was in traditional finance. And so that was my first job. My first work out of university was that world. And like, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Like I, I just never, like I was, I was good at it, but I didn't want to be good at it. I didn't like it. And I, yeah, ultimately it was, it was just an experience. Right. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's very old school. Even now it still is very old school. It's um, oh, totally like when, you know, since I am little, I have been always in male dominated spaces when going to civil engineering school, I think like we were like three women out of a group of 20 guys. So I got used to it. And, yeah. you know, in some ways you learn to be like strong enough and not care anymore when they make these machista jokes or something like that. And I'm like, I don't care because I, I am doing even better than them in my academics. Right. So I, I like, I, I don't care. Right. But that helped a lot too, I guess, when it comes to me being now here all again in a male dominated environment, yeah. which yeah. was Tesla like there were not many women selling cars. There were women right. coming to me saying like, oh my God, I'm so happy that you are here. Like, I, I cannot believe that there are women like here in the store. Yeah. Now there are much more, but 
it's that like typical image. In that, in that, let's let's put some chronological order to this. So was Merrill Lynch was Merrill Lynch first or Tesla first? Tesla first. Tesla and first. Okay. Actually, so, which, so were you working? You were working in one of the Tesla retail stores, which now they don't have as many of. Which, so which even one, before, which was one of the ones here in LA. So you're gonna laugh. My first job was the least glamorous job I've ever had, and it was with Tesla when they just acquired Solar City. So right, it was right. Tesla Solar. And I was at a Home Depot store, pretty much stalking people passing by me, <laughs> trying, trying to, to get them an appointment. Trying to sell um, solar, solar panels. Sort of, because my manager at that point, when I was getting hired, he's giving me this speech like, no, here is a marathon. I cannot like hire you as a consultant right away, even though I had already done consultancy like for a long time for that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going to do whatever it takes because I'm going to get promoted in the 20s. Like in my mind, I already had the plan. <laughs> I'm like, I just need my foot in. So that was like crazy because I was in Hyde Park. I was in Ladera Heights. I was like, I saw everything. Like yeah. if you want to see something, go to a Home Depot store awesome. and you'll find everything. <laughs> It is. It is like a. It is like a weird cross section of society oh in America right now. Oh my God! Yeah. It was wow. I mean, it's but scary you got your, things. You everything. Got your foot in the, you got your foot in the door, like you said. Exactly. So then I was transferred to help with the vehicle side, right? Because they finished like that agreement with the Home Depot, and then they were like, "Well, okay. I mean, either you are like take severance or." I give you the possibility because not everyone got the possibility to move to cars. Okay. And I'm like, I have no idea about cars. I don't know what am I going to do. I cannot even pronounce the words in Spanish. Tesla's a made, it's a, it's someone's, I mean, it's, it has nothing to do with Elon, but it was someone's name originally. It's not like a word word. Right. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm like, okay, well, let's 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 try it. And I I was fortunate enough because the store that I was transferred to was Century City, that was the flagship uh, store okay. of Los right. Angeles. Sure. So you see that the clientele is the opposite to what I used to have in Home Depot, and I was killing it because I'm like, well, this is a candy store. This is way easier to talk to people. People are more educated. They are more respectful. And it was funny because my manager was saying that I was like killing it, and she was thinking why the ones that were here for longer are not doing as well. That's good because you're good. <laughs> but also because I'm like I'm coming from the Home Depot store, I am just like more than happy to. Eat. <laughs> I could, like you said, I love the candy the candy store reference. Like for, exactly for this particular part, for people who aren't from LA, for this particular neighborhood, very upscale, very wealthy, well-to-do people. Like yeah. it's a very popular mall. Like so that like that people going to a Tesla store when Tesla was hot and new, that's literally like candy to babies, right? I, I mean, mean so. it still it wasn't easy to sell those cars because that was before even the Model 3 existed. So it's it still you have to convince people because they yeah. are like, well, where am I going to get this if I can get a Porsche, if I can get like my right. G-Wagon? They don't care. Like wealthier people not necessarily care about like the environment. If you are paying for like a $150,000 car, you think like, well, I don't care about like saving in gas. <laughs> no, you're, you're literally, yes, you're not. You're not thinking about your gas costs. You don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that that was fun. That was fun times. <laughs> All right. So so at some point you go from that world to like high intensity 
finance world again yeah. in that same in that same area, like that Century City kind of area of LA, which again is like that's where the big fancy firms are and the big investment banks. Yeah, a lot of clients that I had were like financial advisors, right? Sure. Uh, some yeah, of yeah. them have their own firms, or some of them were working like. Goldman or Morgan Stanley, UBS. Did, did one of those clients say to you one day, "Hey, you could do really well as good as <laughs> yeah. you are with as good as you are selling cars. You could come work for us over here, and you could kill it." Not necessarily. Like he told me, like, "Come work with me." It was more. There was a time that Tesla was not getting really good for us as an environment. I think and as. We were just getting crushed. I yeah. feel it was by the beginning of 2019. So I I have the fortune of having clients that become friends and they just like kept in touch with me. I had clients that were like, oh my God, this is a woman. Like, are you going to take me on a test drive? Like super mean right away. And then they became super close friends and they are like, oh no, you're the only one here who knows how I can get this. Like, how are you going to live? So it was just like so interesting, all of that. But when things started to get bad for the advisors, I think that they heard on the news and many of them were emailing me. Are you okay? Are you okay? Like, do you think are you going to be laid off? And I'm like, well, not yet. Nobody yeah. has anything for sure. Right? right. So I'm like, no, not yet. But I wasn't really thinking about looking for something else because I didn't want to become a store manager. Like, it wasn't really my thing. Yeah. The retail life is really hard. And if you are there, like my manager had to be there weekends, holidays, yep. and yep. I'm like, it really worked. No, retail, it. retail stuff. I always say about retail, it's you're working when everybody else is relaxing. Exactly. Right? Like, you're, like in your, the people that you're interacting with are there because they have free time that you don't have. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I don't know. I, I was just feeling like, oh, I really want to look for something else, but I wasn't seriously looking and then they were telling me like well you will be good at being a financial advisor and that was funny because that was like a full circle when I lived in Miami I had a friend of mine that works also for Mary Lynch and he was an international financial advisor he was from Italy or he is from Italy and he talked to me at some point like oh well like you could do this but I never thought because I am like well he has an MBA from Harvard He's European. He speaks like four languages. Like, how am I even going to get to that? And at that point, I was just like new, right, in the States. So um, that was interesting because they told me that. And I'm like, oh, I should like rethink about it. I'm just going to apply and see because every job that I've had, I've never had a referral necessarily. So I apply on my own. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. And then I got like the interviews and I went through the process and they were like, yeah, like we want you to work for us. So yeah. Awesome. And so, all right, let's, let's jump forward. Uh, This is awesome. We could spend hours talking about, I have a very, I have a very similar kind of like diversity Mm -hmm. of experiences kind of journey in my own life, but there's always a thread throughout it, which I'm starting to feel with you, which is, it seems we're both just naturally people, people. Yeah, right? and yeah. so so no so no matter like that travels. I my my dad used to say you put that in your backpack and it travels with you for life, right? And so I, th- I I'm feeling like that's that's been applicable to you. So now I, I admitted in the opening like you work at Coinbase and this whole world of Coinbase and cryptocurrencies and alt currencies and a future of finance and all this cool stuff 
I admit that it's probably the area of our technology world that I, that I live in, that we all live in, that I know the least about. Like, I understand the least. I think I have a general understanding of it. But like at a basic level, I still don't always know like what exactly that company does or this company does. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to get away from kind of the career track and let's just talk about why this is so important to you, right? So let's talk about like the work you're doing at Coinbase. Explain to us, for those that don't know, tell us what Coinbase is and and kind of what its mission is. But then like, let's talk about the work that you're doing at Coinbase and why you think it's important. So Coinbase is, I'm going to say, the crypto exchange leader in the United States. We have been around for more than 10 years. And I will say it's the most compliant company <laughs> that exists in the space right now, also because we are a public company. And all of the information is public because it's a public company. Sure. So yeah. I think that makes us really strong in that way. So besides being a, an exchange, which at this point probably is what people know conveys most about, we have been building in Brian's master plan, I will say, trying to build a decentralized economy, which means going from the exchange with a few tokens to increasing the number of tokens listed in the platform to building a wallet that is a self-custodial wallet and is totally decentralized, like you can download it in any country, right? to building NFT marketplace, to building dApps. And now the most recent product that we have is our layer two that is base. And that sounds really overwhelming for someone that doesn't have much, you know, intricacy yeah. into it. I was just I was just making a checkmark list of like things that are all new for me. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, yes, I've heard all these phrases and I still don't know what any of them mean. But but what I did hear you say is essentially Coinbase, the company started as is this and yeah. and has has a broad vision to become a like a, a a dominant financial platform for the 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 world of finance that or financial interactions and transactions that is coming. So one one thing that I I I believe it's important to remark is that I didn't even know a lot of things when I started to work for Coinbase. Based on the prior 35 minutes we've talked, that's not surprising at all. (laughs) That you you managed to like get yourself into something that you had no idea what it was, but then now you're you're successful at it, which is, is awesome. And yeah, I had to learn really quick, but actually what I learned was literally out there, right? Like there are a lot of YouTube, there is a lot of documents and, and readings that you can do to get through it. Now, my point has always been people don't necessarily need to understand all of the underlying technology of what you are doing in order to use the technology. So when the internet came out, it was really hard, right? Do you remember that people yeah. had to put like a full number to connect to a website? It wasn't that interactive. Systems crashed all of the time. It was so complex. But with the years, they figured it out. Oh, let's build names like uh, domain names. And then we don't have to put a number, a crazy number all the time to connect. And so I, it's very similar. And you don't know that when you are like writing an email and it's, it's stored in the cloud, yeah, you don't you know don't how care. the cloud is managed. Like you don't care about it. What is important is that it works for you, right? So the main use cases today are 
probably payments and decentralized cryptocurrencies. But I think that way more than that and what is going to be really important is what other use cases that not necessarily are financial tools can be built on decentralization or like a decentralized platform. And just to give you a quick example, because I think that we like it or not, we had this frenzy of NFTs during like the beginning of 2021 and all of these monkey pictures that were worth $250,000 out of the bloom. We like it or not, that helped a lot for people to have something tangible that they were like, oh, well, this is an NFT. At least I understand this is a collectible, right? Because the cryptocurrency is something that you are like, well, what the heck is this? Like, how do I use it? What for? And the NFT is created, like, onboarded many, many, many other people into like, oh, okay, actually this can be used as a membership. This can be used to access token-gated communities. And they can be used for music NFTs. So if you can, as an artist, put your song out there without having to deal with a label that is going to most probably screw you because like those deals are not that easy and you cannot have like much power in that negotiation. But some artists have reported making way more money through their NFT drops because these are smart contracts that enable royalties and, you know, it goes yeah. directly to their wallets. So it, it's very empowering for people to be able to expose their work out there without having gatekeepers. Yeah. So that's like one of the examples that I think is easier to kind of get, but sure. there are just so many different applications and, and it's incredible to see how the world is moving into on-chain. And that's why we have an, our engineer lead, Jesse, he always says, well, on-chain is the new online. It, it, yeah, it's uh, the okay. new online. Okay. Yeah. So, right. so, like, so, so like an outside novice like me would say, like what I'm hearing you, describe is this belief that as we digitize more and more and more and more and more and more and more of the economy worldwide right then then these underlying technologies are just going to become as as mainstream as the world wide web once became right and then and then eventually it goes from being something that we're very aware of it at like the surface level and then it just kind of disappears mm-hmm. and it becomes the infrastructure layer. And then it's not about the infrastructure layer. It's just about all the applications or apps or tools or devices or whatever that are built on top of it with, that we interact with. As exactly. And and, okay. and the benefits that it brings with it. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if everything has to be on chain. Of course. I think nobody even knows that, right? But companies, even, you know, like Google or like with YouTube, that the creators... Now they are not getting as much as they used to because, you know, like it's harder. The ecosystem, they get like a higher cut every time in their own content, right? So people have not seen yet, I guess, the benefits of being like owner of your content, for example. Yeah. And they make money out of the content, Owning the digital rights to it, so to speak. Yeah. Exactly. And that if it's recorded on blockchain, and then you can have like an economy that is more like community powered too. So yeah. you don't need that YouTube person or that YouTube company necessarily having so many middlemen saying like, oh, no, this is us. And if we want to take out this video, we will just 
take it out because it's our decision. So those are still like Web2 centralized companies. So I foresee a future where you can have a YouTube, but it's decentralized and creators can make money out of a token and get rewarded because people are watching that video directly in their wallets without having to go through the middleman. So, yeah, I I don't know. Hopefully that's the future that we want to see. Right. No, I I mean, yeah, I always think, I think some of the, and I've said this to friends in the Web3 or crypto spaces over the last three, four years, as it was like very hypey, right? And I've always said like, it's just you're terribly marketing it. You're trying to market it as like, it's this versus that. It's, we're going to do this and then there aren't going to be banks anymore. We're going to do this and there aren't going to be, I'm like, it's not, that's never, that never happens in the the future. Like the world evolves in parallel to each other, right? So it's going to be like, there's going to be these systems and then there are going to be alternative systems. Yeah, exactly. and And then eventually some of these systems will become digitized in the same infrastructure that underlies both systems. And then the whole thing, it's funny, as much as I say, like, I don't understand all of it at the day-to-day level. The truth is, I'm actually a believer that 50 to 100 years from now, like this type of infrastructure layer will be the the norm. It's just, I don't understand all of the day-to-day today, right? And I'm also not, and I'm not like running around trying to sell people to convince them to understand it today. I'm like, it's yeah. just gonna, it's gonna be. So, all right, so, so now that we've explained the big picture, Thank you. So tell me a little bit, because we've got, you know, we have interesting people that there, I know there are guys that are, will be listening to this in Argentina who, who are former clients of mine and great friends, and they're building a company called Curable and Curable is working with brands around the use of NFT and tokens around brand community membership types mm-hmm. of stuff, right? In South mm-hmm. America. So I know they'll be listening to this. So let's tell them in your job, like your actual day to day, what is it that you do? For Coinbase? Oh, God. <laughs> I've worn so many hats already at this company. So at the beginning, I was working in the listings team, which is the team that takes tokens in from asset issuers, does an evaluation. And I was partner success, meaning I was holding hands of the asset issuers in kind of like guiding them, not necessarily giving them any counsel, but saying like, okay, this is going to take longer. Like we have to wait and, and just like being with them, being like the console, yeah. <laughs> the consolation person, because these processes can get really long. And sometimes they are like not as easy as people think. That was first. Then I started to work mainly with developers that were building or are building decentralized applications, more specifically in Coinbase Wallet solution. So the way that I see it is that my job is to help Web3 developers to be successful with the tools that we have. We already have 103 million users in our exchange. And we want to guide these users that are buying half of a token every day or here and there that are kind of curious, but they haven't really used the technology necessarily. But by these developers using our tools, we can help them a little bit to have more exposure with those users. So as okay. go, that goes in a case-to-case yeah. basis, but that's what, what I was doing mainly with developers and now in the crypto intelligence and growth team, it's more strategizing and thinking about programs that can help to grow a specific product that we have or okay. a specific use case. So yeah, it's 
It's not a lot of work, but a lot of a lot of lot of individual relationship building, a lot of a lot of community building, and and also then trying to foster more community, trying to attract more smart people to be developers, to be and work with the developers that exist, work with the early stage companies that are doing Web three stuff. Like so, you're you're really at the center of all of that. There's, there's I think that um, now it has a lot to do more with even research and trying to like forecast what can be a new trend, where should we put our efforts right now, even if it's not like making a lot of money right now, but that we think like, oh, this is going to be something interesting for the future, but especially like how many users, how many more users can we bring on chain? So it's thinking about all of those ideas. So it's a little bit of both, right? Like it's a strategy for growth, but it's also working with developers. Yeah, that's exciting. And it, I mean, what an evolution. And also like kudos to Coinbase, because in that kind of a role, like researching and, and thinking, strategizing about the future of this myriad of applications, they've got a strong, talented Latina. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I, I mean, just, just a guess on my part that in past versions of this company or other companies like it, most of those roles might be filled by college-educated white dudes from the U.S., right? And so the <laughs> fact the fact that they've got... These are my words, not yours, by the way. Of course. It's very exciting to see that they've got like a very a thoughtful, talented, forward-looking Latina in this type of a position because you you will likely see opportunities and market opportunities and application opportunities that that again you know the representation matters and so you will see problems and solutions that other people won't see you can connect with different groups of developers and web3 people in different communities that other people won't connect with uh, more as naturally so that's 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 very it's really cool no and i'm very lucky i believe that when during my time at Coinbase, I have had like leaders that are women, for example, you know, our president and COO, which is Emily, um, my manager, my ex-manager, a very strong woman leader, and, and like a lot of women in the team, even though internally we sometimes say like, oh, there are not many women in crypto. But if you go outside of Coinbase, their situation is just like horrendous. <laughs> Yeah, it's so much more different. I went a couple of months ago to this kind of crypto party, let's say, and it was basically 90% of men. And then everyone was asking me, like, oh, so you are like, you are coming with who? I didn't know anybody there. I went more like, you know, infiltrating a little bit the reunion. And then when they were like, well, what do you mean? Like, oh yeah, like who is like your boyfriend or something right, like course. that? It was of just course. so interesting. I'm like, oh no, I actually work in the industry. <laughs> yeah. And no, so, I, yeah. That, that part doesn't surprise me. I can tell you of all the people, either people that I know like deeply in my own personal life or people that I know like online, you know, Twitter friends or what, of all the crypto web three oriented people that I know, you just increased the population of women by a hundred percent because there are now two of you that are women. Oh, everybody, wow. yeah. everybody else I know or mentor or like am friends with are guys, right? Yeah, and they're all so and they're funny. all and they're all mostly guys like under thirty five or under forty. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. Also super young. I mean, like, it's just fun. But at the same time, the beauty of Web3, and I saw that happening to me a lot when I was working with developers, I made this experiment. And I, in my Telegram, like this world works in Telegram, Discord, you know, like all of these other weird communication channels. And I am like, I'm just not even going to put like a female name on I, I put like wow. a random username I didn't put a picture of a woman and wow. I was getting much more responses that way which is but very true. interesting but yeah. but at the same time I'm like well let's take advantage that web3 tends to be very anonymous in a lot of ways yeah. and it actually helps sometimes because that's I think the reason why as a woman like you can have more success too because it's like they are not going to pay attention of your gender when you are communicating with like anon usernames or anon accounts so just take advantage of it while you can (laughs) that's a good that's a good point and actually you just segued into a question I wanted to ask so so speaking of that right speaking of just the opportunities or the benefit of anonymity in a community like that for women um, or just the opportunity of women in, in this industry or technology in general. Um, let's talk about that, right? Because you're, you're passionate about a whole bunch of things in your life, right? I mean, and, and we won't we won't get to all of them today, right? But but <laughs> but but they all do relate. I mean, like your passion for climate change, your passion for sustainability. I mean, that directly ties in the long view to the work that is happening through a company like Coinbase, right? Long term, it's a contributor in the in the best ways to environmental causes and all that thing. But let's narrow down to like the two things that literally drew us together, right? Which is strong Latina and and an immigrant, right? So so a lot of our audience is is here in the U.S. A lot of our audience is most of our audience is in Latin America, sprinkled mm-hmm. all across the region, right? And it's a range of younger to to people my age and older, right? And and it's investors, it's creators, it's entrepreneurs, it's executives, workers, as we would say, employees. So give me your kind of maybe little like state of the union, right? Like, so you just described how it can be difficult, but then how you creatively also see maybe some of the anonymity is is beneficial to women. So kind of give me give me the state of the union. Like what, what do young women or especially like young Latina immigrants, either to the U.S. or just who are trying to build their careers in Mexico City mm-hmm. or in Buenos Aires or in Bogota, right? Like what, what, what do they need to be thinking about nowadays? Like how do they position themselves? What should they worry about? I, I think that it's everything that you learn new is going to be important. So I always say, and it doesn't matter where the person is coming from, but like having a curious mind is just super important. I think that's the most important thing that you have to focus on. And sometimes, you know, even like learning something that doesn't have to do anything with what you do is going to help you because it just like helps you to have in your brain other ways of thinking, whether it's going to a play, whether it's going to a park any day. Like if you are curious, then you are going to find something. That That's just like my main thing when it comes to that. I think that we are very much in a better position nowadays when it comes to women or immigrants in technology, in the workplace, because there have been leaders that have helped us to get there and women who are in those positions. So I always think also you should find someone that you can see as a mentor, even if they are not mentoring you right away or as a role model and learn as much as you can from what they have done, 
I think that helps because I believe in my times when I was even living in Colombia, I saw Silicon Valley and I was, well, that's, that's something that is impossible to achieve. I mean, you see Big Bang Theory, you know, I was a fan of the show and you're like, well, okay, someone from India, someone like white, someone from Texas. And it doesn't feel that I love the TV show, but it was something unattainable for me. I don't yeah, know, right? It was it was fantasy. So who who is gonna be my my role model? Like Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs. <laughs> Still, right. you know, they, I I am an admirer and a fan of them. But nowadays, there are more women that actually can be your role model. So any girl that is down there in Manrique in Colombia can be thinking like, oh, there was this woman from Cali that is an engineer and she works at NASA right now. And now and you feel find find her, follow her, listen to watch watch what she watch, exactly. watch the content she produces, et cetera, et cetera. That's awesome. You know, it's funny. I, I I almost asked you the question the typical way that I would ask the question, which was going to be like, what are the obstacles to being right of hmm. to being a professional woman or and but then I didn't ask it that way because I don't think you look at life that way. Like I don't yeah. think you <laughs> I I think you would have been like, well, Rob, I don't really see obstacles. Like I just see opportunities. Right. But but as as people who listen to the show will understand. That's not how you are because you're naive. That's actually how you are because you are life experienced. Like you've learned that most of this is my opinion of you. You've learned that most of the things that most of us think of as obstacles, your life experience from a very early age has informed you that those aren't really obstacles. That those are just little little bumps, right? Those are little transitions. But the truth is that everything is an opportunity to adapt or to learn or to grow, to be curious. Like you can find your way through to things if you're true to yourself. I, I have been lucky too. I, I think that many people underappreciate luck sometimes. Yeah. It plays a part on it. Of course. We shouldn't deny it, right? Because it's like, well, what were the chances that... I had someone who used to work at Tesla years ago and who kind of referred me in Coinbase. At that point, that was exact, perfect timing. They were opening this new team. So it was like luck on it. But if you get the chance, then live up to it, right? Like you have to kind of like, okay, oh my God, like I got this chance. I'm not going to waste it. And I think that's a strength that any immigrant actually has. Like it's not that... You have to learn it. It comes in our DNA. I, I would agree. No, it's it's hundred percent true. And I think all of our all of our data and research, economic research, points it out. Right. That's why, I'm, like immigrant entrepreneurs, immigrant like immigrant students, I like immigrants. Even Im, like in, if we're not talking immigration from say Latin America to the U.S., but even in intra-region immigration. Right. I mean, Venezuelans moved to Chile because Venezuela's circumstances are so complicated. Yeah. And then yeah. you know what they become in Chile? They become the best salespeople in Chile. Right. Mm, Argentinians emigrate to Chile and build businesses or to Mexico. And like it. So it's this idea of there is a there is I think you're right. I think there's a built in resilience. There's a built in um, grit or determination. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. I hate to overuse that like lazy word of like hustle, like Greg, because I don't (laughs) think it's that. But I think it's more it's it's deeper. It's more human than that. It's 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 that grit. It's that like this is life that was hard this is this is this is maybe not easy but that was hard this is this i can do yeah yeah that's awesome that's that's incredible 
let's wrap up. Let, 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 like, I, I would like you, if you could, so we always say this is Ileana's favorite part of the show. She always says, like, we get to turn you into the mentor for the day, right? So, that's so, such a high responsibility. <laughs> it, it, it is, but I'm sure you'll do great. So, so, so what, we, what I would love for you to do is if you could condense down all your wisdom and knowledge and everything we've been talking about, and let's just break it down into like three clear pieces of advice for anybody that's listening. And you can take this in any direction you like about who it is you would like to be giving this advice to. But I would love for you to give us three pieces of advice that our, our audience can take away and, you know, maybe put into practice in their lives. That's really complicated, but I'm just going to mention, I think, what has worked for me somehow. And I would love to start with the obstacle, actually, because you were asking about obstacles. I am thinking more like about opportunities. But I think that if we have one obstacle, it's usually ourselves. It's the hardest one, right? Working in yourself and gaining that confidence is not easy at all. I think that if everyone has been working in themselves and understand what they can be worth of, they will be in better positions. And it applies for women, it applies for immigrants. And the reason why I say that is because I actually have a struggle still a little bit with, oh my God, like, no, I'm actually working for a huge company. Or like when women go into negotiation for their salaries, and it's like, no, 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 I I'm actually have to be grateful because I'm here. And you know, this is a big deal. And then you don't ask for anything while other people who, no matter if you have the same level of education or like the same level of performance, other people can ask for it in a natural way because they know what they worth. So um, I think that that would be like my main at the very beginning, like to think how you can work on yourself in overcoming that and is one of the hardest ones uh at least for me and, and practice it right like i think that the best way to actually be able to get to that is practicing it and there are like daily things that you can do in order to practice that sometimes it can be someone that said oh i'm gonna call you at this time they didn't call and then they called you 30 minutes later and you are still okay with it and it's like, uh, why don't you set up your own boundaries? And, and it's like a small acts are going to help you to gain that confidence because later on, it's like, no, 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 this is my standard, right? And as I said, that applies for professional lives, for personal lives, because the way that you have your framework, it's going to apply to everything that is around you and how you do things in life at the yeah. end of the day. And another one is just like, as I mentioned before, I never stop being curious and taking care of yourself, I think it's just so important. I am a big fan of like healthy things. I try to, and people think, oh, because you are coming from like being an actress, of course, you are trying all the time to just like eat healthy and this. And I'm like, no, even since then, it wasn't because of that. It was because I want to get to 100 year old, still super energetic, still being able to perform, so it's the everyday decisions that are going to take you there. It's not when I am 80, oh, now that I have Alzheimer, I'm going to change my diet. No, it's like your 40 years before, of course, never is too late, but it's just like important. So I think like having a curious mind actually helps for all of that because then you are learning for, from other people. 
learning from your own experience, trying new things. So that's yeah. I, no, that's, that's awesome. It's, it's been awesome. I, I said when we started, right, I, I reached out to you because I was fortunate enough to sit in an audience of a couple of thousand people and watch you on stage and and talk talking with the women, the other strong Latinas that you were with. And I was so impressed. And I and my immediate thought was like, she gets it like and she's the future. She is the leader that, that the people that we interact with needs to know. And and you haven't disappointed like today's story has been it's just been it's been it's been awesome. It's been really enjoyable. Um, how can how can folks I, you're not super active on social media. You've already said that. But how can folks find you on social media if they would like to? And then how can we find the company on social media? Yeah, of course. So my Twitter handle is Liz A. Basurto. So B-A-Z-U-R-T-O. Um, and then Coinbase at Coinbase. That's like the Twitter handle for the company. I'm actually like very active in social media and on LinkedIn as well. It's okay. just that during the last couple of days, I'm like, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of a break because hey, the everybody needs world, a little mental break. Everybody needs a little mental break. You know, crypto works 24 seven. It's not like yeah. the markets that they close and open. <laughs> and, and, you know, in this industry, like there is not ever a dual day that happens. No, yeah, <laughs> like no every day is. something crazy no is going on. You're, so you're, yeah. You're busy building the future. All right. So we know how to find Coinbase. We know how to find you. It's been awesome. I thank you for your time. Thank I thank you. you for your story. I, I'm inspired by your resilience. You, anybody that's listening, any Latina, any Latina in Latin America, any Latina in the US, anybody, any human being who hears your story of the adversity and the trauma that you dealt with as a child, and then how you use that to fuel your curiosity. I think that's the big takeaway word, right? You fueled your curiosity, and then your curiosity just keeps knocking down and opening other doors as you've gone through life. And I'm glad that it knocked down a door that put you on a stage in LA that I got to see you because now we <laughs> know each other and now we can be friends here in LA. So that's uh, of I'm course, yeah. grateful, grateful for your time. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate so much the invitation. As I said before, I think that is really important for other people to listen to voices that they can recognize themselves on that. And we don't have enough. So I love the fact that you are doing what you are doing and because you are contributing to that. And, and you never know if someone down in whatever country, a kid heard one of your episodes and then it just helped him in some way. So That is yeah. literally why we do it. So thank you for being a part of it. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Today's show was recorded in Los Angeles and Guadalajara, produced by Deanna Bernal in Mexico City, and promoted by the content team at Growth Hacks in Tijuana, Mexico. You can always find and share our show via any popular podcasting platform, as well as find us on social media at Mentors Today on Instagram. If you'd like to connect with our hosts, you can find them on Twitter or Instagram at I am Rob Ryan or at Ileana JAF. Gracias, thank you, and we'll see you next time.